inside of a dog, you orbit the sun seven times faster than you'd orbit inside of a human. Inside of a book, you'd be on fire. <laughs> <laughs> what? That this this makes no sense. You're, which is why you're listening to Brave New Words. My name's Ed Fortune, and I'm here with Russ. Ross. Del. And producer Al. On today's show, we're talking about comic books. Some of them have been nominated for awards. Most Whee! of them have. Um, actually, all of them have. Um, but yes, uh, before that, we're going to have a, a lovely jingle. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, there were still stories waiting to be told. Force Majeure is an actual play Star Wars podcast, following groups of emergent Force sensitives trying to survive the worst the Outer Rim can throw at them. So if you like action, adventure, thrilling yarns and good tea, you might enjoy Force Majeure. Find us on Twitter at Force Majeure Pod or online at forcemajeurepod.com or wherever you find your podcasts. That was lovely. That was a lovely jingle. Has the jingle been nominated for an award? Yeah, it was alright. Possibly. I don't know what the jingle is at this point. There should be so, awards for jingles. They, there are, though, aren't there? There must be. There's awards for everything else. Mm. And, and the word jingle already sounds like an award. You could just call them the jingles. The two, the, you know, the, the twos on BBC Two that like are all fluffy oh, and yeah. sweet. Yeah, they win Best Ident of the Year and something or other. So there must be like a Best Jingles Award. Mm. I think if BBC Three hadn't got rid of the slugs, we'd still have BBC Three. The little slugs that were yeah, like, Three! Well, BBC Three, of course, still exists, but it's now online. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a real TV program. It's the fact that the CBBs, the little blobs that dance. <laughs> Producer Al has just done the little blob dance, and I don't know anyone of any age who doesn't do that when they do the little dancing blobs. Everyone does the little dancing blob dance. It doesn't matter if you're six or 60, you just do the kind of little bob because, because it's cute. Uh, so on today's show we're talking we've already digressed and we haven't even got past the intro. <laughs> hey! You started this, you said award winning. We it's haven't even got okay to talk about animation is in fact relevant. Carry on. Yes, well so <laughs> so we're hang on, hang on, hang on. You're trying to bring us back on something. What have you done with the real job? What are you gonna, doing on this programme? We're gonna be talking about <laughs> Phil and Kaja Fuglil's Hugo Hugo Award winning comic book series Girl Genius. Yay! Yay. Uh, we're also going to be talking about The Wicked and the Divine again, but we're going to be talking about Imperial Phase Part 1, which is Book 5 of the series, and we're also going to quickly talk about Jack Lovian's Tomorrow. Can we go well. back to, sorry, it was Part 1, but it's Part 5. What? What? Right, so The Wicked and the Divine. Yes. This is the fifth book. It's called The Imperial Phase Part 1. Right, okay. Well, okay. So the Part 1 is part of the title, not... Yes. It is the fifth in a series, but it's created a mini series, mini story with yes. like, oh, like episodes. So, like, like the becoming part one and the becoming part two, that. but actually they were episode like thirteen. I think yeah. more like a pretentious co- a concept album, <laughs> because it, it's it's Jimmy McCarthy and Kevin Gillan, so it's more that draws more inspiration from that sort of kind of the Imperial phase. Sounds like something that you would get from you know a Prince album. Or you know, or anyone really, Lady yeah. Gaga. I could imagine or, or doing a, it. Or a board game turn, but that's the Imperial phase yes. followed by the Rebel phase. Yeah, so that's well done. Uh, we found a level, and it was lower than we thought. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or on the books, it's like the Deathly House Part One, which is actually book seven. No, that's just the films. <laughs> There's only one book. The film just broke it into two bits. 
and then made the last film Just, the shortest of all the films. Chamber of Secrets is the longest of the Harry Potter films, and it's the second shortest book, and is the shittest of all of them. And when I'd say, I'd literally, I when I, I I love them all, but <laughs> it is the least good, and it did not need to be the longest film. And yet you've got Deathly Hallows Part Two, is the shortest of every single film. Silly, silly, silly. Mm. Okay. It, it's like when you talk to people who've read the, the, the Song of Ice and Fire series and so I read the hardback when it came out because I'm fancy like that and then you talk and then the TV series came out and people were like oh I've read the first book and then they get halfway through and they go you've not read the first book you've read the first half of the first book because <laughs> mm. the paperbacks they split it into two mm. oh I didn't know mm. that they did that with Game of Thrones and a few other things that's what yeah, I was literally just talking about I'm paying attention fine. sorry <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's simply because it's such a massive stomp because you know these books are huge which is why I was like why isn't it out yet it's because it's not 300 pages long it's, yeah that got know. that got quite complicated which is why I ended up doing the Game of Thrones series by audio uh, doing the Song of Ice and Fire series by audiobook which is now leaving me um well, sorry, slightly the right thing, but it's now leaving me uh, now leaving me um, slightly curious as to when the Winds of Winter finally comes out. Who is going to be narrating it? Because it had been Roy de Trees for it had been Roy de Trees for the entire time. Of course, he he's no longer with us. So um, that's really sad. No, it was about ninety odd. Um, that's going to be yeah. That's you find yourself in quite interesting positions then, because I think sometimes people think that you just get. A particular actor but actually mm. no they are very carefully thought out oh yeah um so yeah i wonder who it would be slightly dull fun fact for you roy detrice also starred in the series from season two you remember the big battle you remember the big battle at the end with the wildfire which i can't yeah. remember the name of no he was he was around the there battle of king's land yes yes he was he was in there and he was on one oh, of the ships yeah he's no he's the he's the he's the weird looking guy it's yeah. I love when you get little nods like that, like like Alan Lee being one of the um, king, one of the human ring holders in Fellowship of the Ring and stuff. I was like, that's nice. Hmm. So being like, come on, come and you you've made it look like this. So let us see you. Yeah, uh, they're doing a TV version of um, Cloak and Dagger, the Marvel comics. So I've heard. And Stan Lee is in it as um, as modern art. Oh, actually, yes, no, I've seen he turn, he things turn, about this. He turns up as a Mandy Warhol-style painting. It's just in the background, they're in a modern museum of modern art, and it's like lots of Stanley pieces. There's like another Marvel thing coming out soon, isn't there, that I thought looked really exciting. Is Cloak and Dagger the one that's like a boy and a girl? Yeah. There's another something, though, from Marvel coming out soon. So there's I... Runaways, which is currently out. Yes. That's on... No. Black Panther's sister's getting a comic book, isn't she? Sure, it's already out, yeah. yeah. Or yeah. maybe but there's something not, new about that. Maybe it's not Marvel then. Maybe it's They're DC. also the um, uh, on the Black Panther spin-off. The Dora Milaje um, spin-off is happening as well, has happened already as well. Um, that's uh, Snady's book. The Gifted is also going on as well, isn't it? Which I didn't realise was a Marvel thing at all, let alone an X Men spin-off. Uh, Legion as well has got a second season. Yes, and now they're more willing to be like, this is sort of connected to X-Men. Because <laughs> I think before they were like, oh, this might be a bit experimental, so... Sorry, it took me two episodes of Black Lightning to find it was part of the DC universe. It's only very, yeah, which is surprising because <laughs> it's also quite 
good. Mind you, all the TV, oh. but all the TV stuff, with the exception of later seasons of Arrow, have been quite good. So. But the issue I've got to give up with Arrow on TV. The, but I find the whole DC TV universe they've created, and I've said this before on previous shows, unless you started watching it at the beginning. I can't now come into any of those shows because I have no idea what other shows I need to have seen first. It's... And I just can't... That makes me not bothered. I don't care enough well, about it. Well, this is it. why I've actually... This is why I've paused because I've got completely out of sequence with some of the things I was watching. Um, yeah. And I I got as far as an episode of Crisis on Earth X and I was like, hang on, this is crossing over to three other shows. I haven't even started Legends of Tomorrow yet at this point. Yeah. Uh, Supergirl, I'm on the wrong season. Four Arrow, I'm on the I'm at least two seasons behind. Oh. Yeah, the, the Marvel TV things on Netflix, like the Jessica Jones and the, and the Luke Cage and all that sort of stuff, I'm now so far behind that I just have but no clue. Haven't they tried to do them in such a way that you can watch any of them without having seen the others? Like yeah. maybe yeah. Defender, Defender, you might want to have seen at least one of because they don't make you stop with crossover episodes they mm. just do things and characters can, may just watch, turn up they yeah. may not you can watch Luke Cage right. on its own you can skip Iron Fist because of course you would no um, I actually you know what I was entertained if you don't think of it as being part of the others it's it's for it's for a different audience it's not as grimy and it's not as dark and that's okay it's an entertaining piece of telly which granted most of the casting I think was based on kung fu ability and not acting so I and s- even then dubious about that at times cause <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I stuck with that because uh, Finn Jones is very cute uh, Isn't he, wasn't he in a thing? Wasn't he in a, was he in a Doctor Who? Yes. Was so he Sarah Jane something's so son or somebody's son or something? So he's Santiago Jones yes uh, who is Joe Grant's uh, Joe, Joe Grant's son? I'm very pleased because, with my, 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 because my Joe mind. Grant is Joe Jones. Yes. Because in Seeds of Death, Joe Grant runs off with I think he's called a Ewan Jones. He's an environmental rights scientist campaigner guy, and they go off to save the world. So who is he in what? In Doctor Who. No, it, who who in Marvelly things? In Finn, Finn he, Jones, he's the Iron Finn Fist. Finn Jones the Iron oh. Fist. Okay. Oh, watch that. He's in like something him. else as well. Game though, of Thrones. Oh. He's he's Loris oh. Tyrell. I oh, which one's he? I've literally oh, I did start trying to watch so that he again, is. and I got to like episode five. He's the he's the, the he's the um, lover of one of the of the Baratheon who dies. Yes, early on. I know him as the Knight of Flowers. He's the Knight of Flowers. He's the gay knight. So you get in to see which series? In Game of Thrones. So you get in, to see his in bum which series? Turns up in the first, Very early on, first, turns up in the first series because yeah, he's um he's um yeah, he's with Renly for a while. Yeah, that's it, Renly. He's with Renly. You get to see his bum a lot, it's awesome. Who's Ren- oh, yeah, I've not We've lost the plot, we've also lost the thread of the show. We are the counter example. Have we talked about a book yet? Lord of the Rings is three is six books, not three. Oh for the love of yes. okay, so That's the counter example. So, and you. Genius three books, not so, one book. So, girl genius then. <laughs> yeah, we pulled up most of the digressions, but not that one. <laughs> Isn't June also a movie? Yes. And a TV series. And a video is game. Is Sting in it? Yes, he is. Sting is in it. Is it also a musical? Is it yes. not a musical? He says making a gesture that oh, doesn't work well. on radio and only works if you have any clue about the, the uh, parlour game charades. I have, ni- I have not read or watched June. Oh, 
We've got it on the shelf. You, it's oh, I know everybody's got it. I've just not got round to it yet. The difficulty I have with June is when I say to people that I've read the first book, I mean the first book within the physical novel that I have. But people, right. tend, people take that to mean that I have read the entire novel and that I'm talking then about I've not read bits past that. Um, but just because I thought what June was going to be about turned out just to be book one within that giant novel. Uh, and then I so find it quite hard to get You've not with. read uh, The Supermarkets of June... Shopping trolleys of June, hairdressers of June. From something she hasn't finished watch, read, reading Dune. <laughs> <laughs> Girl Genius! Girl Genius. We'll let so, you talk about so, it. So, so, Girl Genius is by Phil and Kasia Fogel, who are it's Hugo nominated. Uh, the story behind it being Hugo nominated is basically they just started doing a comic book section in the Hugos. Right. And um, it was a web comic, so everyone was like, Oh, I can get this online. So they read the webcomic comic, and it's gorgeous. It's a beautifully rendered webcomic. Um, and they've done them as um, uh, as comic book editions. But, uh, see, when you first held it up before to be like, we're going to talk about this, I assumed it was manga, but it's front opening. No, so it's, it's not, is it? It's not. It's, in a manga. it's just it's a comic It's very book. definitely not manga, yeah. Um, yeah. The version I've got is the, the, the Wii... No, 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 no. I want to genuinely to ask a question. Is yeah. it how would it open if it was manga? Backwards. That oh, Japanese, Japanese. Read from right to left. Yeah, read right Ooh. to left. Back. Well, what we would see is back to front. So their their books open Why? from the back cover. Well, what we would see is the back cover because they write left to right. They, oh, yeah. Right to left and top to bottom. In some, so you get yes, columns so of top. you get yeah. So basically, think of not English reading text and then sort of flip it ninety degrees and read it yeah. right to left Ooh. as say the sense right to left lines and from top to bottom words within the line okay yeah. interesting which is why speech bubbles look different when they take, take a Japanese comic and make it English they usually leave the pages yeah. in the same order but the, but the art's slightly different because obviously the speech bubbles are going to be the long way around wrong, well the wrong the size wrong for yeah. yeah they'll be so, long and thin rather than short and wide so what you'll quite often do is you'll get because um, they also do speech bubbles differently so they'll do them like in panel so there'll be a line, and it'll, they'll just write directly onto the art. Ooh, that seems rather, ballsy. Rather than having a separate panel for it, because that's just the style, uh, which makes an absolute nightmare for people who are trying to flip it over. Uh, though weirdly, I think most of the all examples of manga that we have here have been westernised. Okay. All right. So the, all the all the ones that granted, I haven't bought a manga book in probably a decade, but they would still. They were still back opening, so you'd still read what we would see from back. I think the front. other one, the comparable example I've got is Mega Tokyo because that was oh. a, it was a web comic which also became a yeah was a print version. Yeah, I, I stopped reading somewhere in the but middle. I suppose so I web know, comics are different, but, aren't they? But yeah, it's western, so it's printed. But I think that might be a left to no, right. No, Mega Tokyo is a western comic done in a, a Japanese style. Yeah, and if it was a web comic, it wouldn't really make a difference because you can just. You can format it to the so page depending on Girl what you're Genius printing. is a webcomic, he yes. says. Getting it starts, started life as a webcomic and then it is available in book format. It is steampunk. Ooh. Um, Say the girls in the room. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's an interesting. Right, so when we first meet Agatha Clare, she. Agatha is, Clare is a great name. Agatha Clare is. Oh, Clay. Uh, Clay. 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 Still a great name. I think Cassius. <laughs> She, um, is she a detective? No, she. Oh. Well, currently she's she's a lab assistant. When we first meet her, she's a lab assistant, and she's working for Doctor Beetle. Um, also a great name. Mm. 
and, and Dr. Beetle is working Some strong naming's going on here working in his workshop and um, she's got her, her parents look after her she's got a locket that she's told never to take off never ever take off the locket now just to describe the world the world is absolutely cra- crazy so we're in a place called Europa uh, Europa is a fantasy version of Europe um, and the thing that's most important about this world is there is a thing called Sparks and Sparks are mad scientists as in at some point you'll have a normal everyday person and you'll break out you'll you'll suddenly you know your hair will go stand on end you will literally have a moment where you, you start speaking in a mad science voice Oh, kind of dramatic. It's like, the fools, I will show them. And suddenly, people will do exactly what you say if you yell at them in the right sort of way, minion. People, I mean, people stop. Like that doctor from the Venture Brothers, whose name eludes me at the moment. Uh, Dr. Orpheus. That's um, and you start running around, and people will start running around, and you, you, you will build, you, you, you want to make a cup of coffee, but you've just broken out, or you're having a, you're in the madness place. So rather than making a cup of coffee, what you do is you take the, the family car, and you, you take a bunch of other stuff from outside, and you make the ultimate coffee machine, which allows you to transcend reality and not sleep for six days. Um, it sounds like a storyline from Phineas and Ferb. Yes, it does. <laughs> very, very much. So. Everyone is basically can make mad. Well, not everyone, but various people can make mad contraptions. So what happens is the landscape of the world is such that there are these lunatics. So I will show you all, and they will build like an army of mechanical snails um, to try and take over parts of Prussia and this sort of thing. So. <laughs> Oh, that's that's what broke me. Right, okay. <laughs> uh, and and things just get like there's this guy. He's called Baron Wolfenbach. He's uh, in my head. If you were making the movie, he'd be played by uh, not Alan Rickman, but the closest person you could find to Alan Rickman, who's got that nose and that kind of craziness about him. Um, and Baron Wolfenbach is so. Would that be David Tennant now? Yeah, I don't do? know, but with Alan Rickman, part of it's the voice, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Well, the, yeah. The, and the Baron's very much in charge, if you see what I mean. And he's a, this, the, he is a crazy genius, but he's essentially gone, the world will fall apart unless someone takes charge. I don't want to be an admin, but I'm the most sensible tyrant out there. We could so, Charles dance this. I was literally, oh! yes, no. Yes. I was thinking Charles dance immediately but I think it's because in my head um, Lord Veterinary is always Charles dance. This is this is 100% his thing. From I was thinking with. Charles dance before you started saying Alan Richardson and even now. So the book opens yeah. with Agatha having a very bad day. Oh. She's she's late for work mm-hmm. um, and as she's, as she's running suddenly there's a a, a, a thing opens in in she's in a kind of European kind of cobblestone style you know kind mm. of Renaissance period city she's running down and I will show excellent radio but this huge portal appear, appears and the voice just goes that and then vanishes and she's like what on earth was that as if a window through time appears mm. and points at this her. is like a bit of Bioshock Infinite uh, turned up so she flees she bumps into two soldiers the two soldiers mug her, oh, and they take the locket that she was being told never to take off. The locket that belonged to her parents, the locket that her Uncle Barry said never take off. Is right. he actually called Uncle Barry? He's called Uncle Barry. I really want a Labrador called Barry. 
So the Labrador can be everyone's uncle? Nah, so, just, I just think Barry's a great name for a Labrador. So she doesn't Barry have... Barry dog. Doesn't have the locket. She gets <gasps> into the lab. She's told she's told to tidy the lab because Baron Wolfenbach's turning up. And the thing about Agatha is she can't... She, she hasn't broken out. She can't science. Right. Um, she's very bad at it. Well, so literally, unless you have broken out, you can't science. You can't. You can do all the science. You can do all the mechanical engineering, but you can't make cool, insane stuff. You can you can build stuff on other person, other pe- on other people's designs. So you can build on what they've done, and you can modify and build. But you can't create, you know, a giant crab monster that also makes coffee so um, it's like the lego universe at the moment unless yes. you're a master builder you can't do half you can't you know, do you half know, of this they stuff. are master builders from yeah, the lego yeah. universe um, but she's not a master builder dr beetle is and no one else. and then baron wolfenbach turns up she's tidied everything away by shoving it on the cupboard um and the baron turns up and he's like what is this why haven't you done the work that i've asked you to do and there's a whole thing, there's a whole scene where essentially because because sexism, Agatha gets blamed for a bunch of stuff that isn't her fault. Um, and, and things kind of go horribly, horribly wrong for Agatha on that day. We also meet, um, at the same time, Gilgamesh Wolfenbach, the Baron's son. And what's revealed is what Agatha and her colleagues have been working on for the last six months is impossible. There was no way it would ever work. It was it was a test because the Baron's trying to find more sparks. Those are the people who've broken out, the super scientists. He's looking for another spark. But they haven't found any sparks. So Agatha, having had a terrible day, goes home. Isn't isn't at all happy. Oh, also she almost accidentally kills Gil because she's put all the stuff in a cupboard. And whilst Gil, is, who is a spark, is, is Gil, going, Gilgamesh, sorry. Gilgamesh. Right. So while Gil's going all crazy and going, I will show you all, he opens a cupboard and it's full of stuff and it falls on him. So she almost kills the Baron's son. Um, I suppose one, it depends on what's in the cupboard. Yeah, it's lots of stuff. <laughs> one thing leads to another. Um, and essentially we get a flashback to Barry and little Agatha. Um... And she's like, Uncle Barry, Uncle Barry, look, I've made this. And she's made this wonderful device. And Barry's like, you're five. You are too young. Hang on. Wear this. Never take it off. Aha. No. Oh, so it kind of like when people so suppress it's a, magical power it's a spark in lots of stories. Basically. So the following day she wakes up, she's so covered you- in oil. <laughs> she's made a machine. The machine goes on the rampage. Um, and uh, the the Baron's still there. Gill is still there in the city at the time. Um, stuff happens. People die. Um, oh, yeah. Um, it's not. It's not Agatha's fault. Agatha's just created a machine, a giant, scary killer robot that's just searching for her locket. That's all it's doing. <laughs> it's just like, is it a horrendous death ray? No, it's just a camera. It's just trying to find the lock. It's not under this chip shop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it goes on, it goes on the rampage. Uh, and due to, because, because of what Girl Genius is like, because it's a comedy of errors, rather than, um, rather than going, ah, yes, no, she's obviously a spark. Due to a series of hilarious muck-ups, the guy who stole the locket, the Baron thinks is a spark. Right. Why? 
because he's got the locket and he's in the same room as this giant. Oh, robot. so he's got the locket and the, ro- the, the But if he has the locket, why would the, he need to create a robot plot. to look for the locket? Plot. plot. Silly. Yeah, Stop but Baron, I think, I think Baron confusion has arisen. Yeah, Baron Wolfman. I think misunderstanding and confusion. Hilarious misunderstanding. Hilarious misunderstanding. He needs to sort and, himself out. And he dismisses Agatha because Agatha is is dressed in her nightie at the time and is in a state of disharmony. There's a lot of state of disharmony because Bill Fogulo likes drawing all his characters who are young and pretty in states of undress. It's just a thing. There's loads of pictures of Gil as well uh, in states of undress because why not? Uh, and it's that sort of comedy as well. So I would say not sexism. I would say instead... Just ageism. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, I don't know because if they're all young and pretty. When you say young, how young? Actually, we do see the Baron in various states of it. He's normally battle damaged. So he just just like a bit of skin. He just likes a bit of skin. Well, he originally wrote. He drew a comic book called XXX Xenophile. Yeah, I agree with the. um... (laughs) What have you been reading? (laughs) Shall we move past that? Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Your reading habits, <laughs> no, no. It's um, it's about twenty years old. It's nineties. Uh, that, that's all yeah, you like, to, like, that's all you needed to say. The next scene is at the Baron's castle. So you're Baron Wolfenbach. You're controlling most of Europe. Where are you putting your castle? This is a steampunk setting. Where are you putting the castle? Vienna. In a cloud. Zeppelins, zeppelins everywhere. Lots of zeppelins. Come get your lovely zeppelins. Um, so, and that, that is basically the first half of the first book. Come get your lovely Zetland. Um, <laughs> Come get your lovely Zetland. So to prepare, to prepare. So, the, the main thing we discover about Agatha is her surname is not Clay. It's Heterodyne. And the Heterodyne family were an amazing terror across all of Europe. And they are the ultimate in mad, mad scientists. I feel there's an awful lot of plot happening here. It's, it's been going for 15 years. It's a massive book series. And I'm trying to like shove it into one show. So it's a huge thing. So is there right, more than this one volume? Yeah, you're yeah. showing us one volume. I've got volume one here. It's, it's like quite chunky. Yeah, how many are there? About 15. Yeah. Wow. So quite is lot. this a year's worth of content then? Yeah, but it's still not as many as Bleach, so... So it's been going on for quite some time. I haven't even mentioned Orfar Trukvarsen. Orfar Trukvarsen, gentleman adventurer. Who, oh, who is... Um, he I don't know how to spell that name, but he, he looks great. like that. Uh, he's, oh. is it, well, I don't, I, no, I need I an eye test. I can't see that, yeah, I can't he'd see be, it. He'd be played by Hemsworth. It's the short oh, version. By a Hemsworth. So, <laughs> be like, Either of them. Doesn't matter which. Oh no, but there's three, aren't there? There's loads of them. There's a farm somewhere, I'm sure. <laughs> it just makes Hemsworth. There's the... Yeah, is it Rory the third one? I didn't know there was a third There's one. There's a third one, and oh, he's wow. in films. So ah. Sparks seem to have a kind of idiom to them. So there's like, so you'll have sparks that are like your, your, your kind of your standard kind of mad scientist, and then you'll have ones who are like explorer, and Ophar is gentleman adventurer, and he just turns up and causes absolute chaos because he's like, you know, he'll fall out of a plane. It's like he'll be fine. It's like because he's got obviously because he's got special falling out of plane survival pants or or something, uh, and he's just this ridiculous character that turns up and just as you think the characters have gotten a bit of the plot nailed down, Orphar will turn up and rescue someone, and they don't need rescuing; they ask to be rescued, but suddenly they're being rescued or taken away somewhere. Um, 
So the Heterodynes themselves um, are based in a city called Mechanicsburg. Mechanicsburg is the jewel of Europa in the sense that the entire city has, like centuries and centuries of sparks, have built stuff into the city. The castle itself is sentient. Okay. This um, has gone very steampunk, hasn't it? Uh, and, and is also broken. When we first meet it, it's not put together correctly, but a fully operational Heterodyne castle is a, is a force to be reckoned with, and so on. Um, the plot itself jumps around quite a lot. There's an awful lot of things going on. At one point, we go to Paris. Currently, the webcomic is in Paris at the moment. Um, Paris itself has its own master as well, who's like an impressive kind of um, figure. Uh, Britain is controlled by Albia, who is who has a goddess queen. Britannia is essentially a queen goddess style thing. Um, yeah, makes a lot of sense. The, there's a general vibe along the whole girl genius thing that um, when the guys are in charge, things are going wrong. When the women are in charge, things aren't quite as going wrong. Um, seems to be, but these things also seem to be cyclical in this world. Um, so I've bimbled on about that for however many minutes. Yeah, Do I like it? Yes. Can you find it for free? Yes, it's online. It'll take you if if you happen to have a job where you're waiting for long periods of time for things to happen. This is perfect because you know you can get it past your works firewall. Would be fantastic. If you've got a decent net connection and you know you you just want to be reading web comics, Girl Genius is a good place to, to go. Uh, you'll be done in a couple of weeks, which is impressive for for web comics because mm. um, you're reading them constantly. Uh, it's still ongoing. Um, they keep winning awards for this, mostly Hugo's. Uh, they have a variety of rockets, which is fine. Mm. Um, and yeah, I, I I kind of I just like Girl Genius. It's it's and silly. It sounds fun and it sounds silly. That's did, great. I did bump into um, I did bump into them at the um, at Longcon a few years ago. They had a they had a stall. Uh, all looked very um, it all looked very interesting. I this this was on my list of uh, things I needed to check out later. Um, I have one query, which is in a sense why we're we covering it now. Is it, is this brand new? This particular volume is the only just um, been organised into this version, or I, I'm covering it now because they're about to go into a volume fifteen, I believe, or volume seventeen. I think they're about to just go into another volume, right? right. Uh, and there is no good time to not cover it. Fair enough. If you see what I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> at yeah. some point we need. To, at some point, it's a Hugo Award-winning webcomic. It's the first first thing to win to establish that award. It won for three years in a, a in a row. Mm. Has and it been nominated then, this year? Um, I don't think it has. Ooh. But, Ooh. but controversy. But it is it established the award. If you see okay. what I mean, it helped establish mm. the award. Okay. So it's always going to have a very special place uh, in the, the in that kind of fandom and in that kind of world. Mm. And even though steampunk is, you know, not in trend, I don't think Girl Genius is going away. Yeah, uh, which is great because it's great fun. So uh, yeah, on that on that side of things an excellent time to cover it so I'm just going to jump into another thing that has been nominated yep. for an award recently which is relatively new Ooh. Uh, it is called Tomorrow it is by uh, Jack Lovian um, and have we spoken about Jack Lovian before I feel like I know the name Jack, Lo- Jack Lovian was um, Shameless and forget the other thing Ashes to Ashes Ashes to Ashes uh, as Seamus and Ashes to Ashes he's been BAFTA nominated several times um, and it's the same guy um, Gary Mack is an astounding um, artist 
and has been it kind of is established part of the Scottish scene. So in case I haven't bimbled on about this in the past, there's a lot of comic book writers and artists in Scotland. I'm not sure why. But because it's cheaper to live there. Partially, isn't that why they make? And the government might be and moderately trying to encourage the arts. And it's mm. it's where they made the Beano. Yeah, partially. So yeah, as, as you say, mm. um, and also there's a lot of kind of arts council funding. So there's a thing called, as you were saying, so um, Glasgow especially has Glasgow Comic Con, and Glasgow Comic Con is not a Comic Con that you go to be seen in cosplay. Though you can do that, and it's cool. It is a place where you go, I've got a portfolio and I want someone to publish it, sort of thing. It's that sort of a Comic-Con. Okay. Um, so, tom- Tomorrow is written by BHP Comics, uh, who used to be called Black Art oh Press. Oh, my word. <laughs> Have you just looked at a picture of Luke Hemsworth? <laughs> Who's not Rory I, His name's not Rory, his name's Luke. I've just been confu- a picture just of the three of them. Can I just make this sure? Did we get confused by Gilmore Girls? No, uh, I just for some reason he looks like he'd be called Rory. He does, he does. It's a thing. Sorry, I didn't realise that producer Al would say something on the radio. (laughs) It's a Hemsworth. There's a farm somewhere that there's some fierce radiation that makes them look that pretty. But Luke is the older brother, but he um, he mainly acts in Australia. Okay. It's the other side of the bridge. Uh, is he one of Australia's 72 actors? Yes. It's the other side of the bridge for the half, side farm, isn't it? Half, yeah. Yeah, and it's the, there's, there's those two farms that just make... Anyway. He, um, but yeah, he was he was in um, Dark... dark which, the, the, the second Thor, or is it Dark World or Dark yeah, Side dark of the World? world or, yeah, he's in that. I don't know if he's in Ragnarok, but he does do... Films and stuff. See, I'm one of the few people who quite like Dark World. I, I quite liked it, even though even though I Eccles, mind it. even though Eggleston was playing, you know, someone who would be sniffy about doing genre roles, which I, I don't understand. Christopher Eggleston. The other one was in Ragnarok. Was he in Ragnarok as well? well one of them was in Ragnarok because there's a well, bit. Yeah, of the... one of them is Thor, so he's definitely in. Ragnarok. One of them. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but. <laughs> Start, near the start of Ragnarok, um, there is a play being put on uh, in Asgard yeah, with, uh, with, with Sam Neill, Matt Damon, and one of the other Hemsworths yeah. uh, portraying because uh, they were because they were alternatives for casting. So that makes so much sense. Yeah. So they actually so they said, okay, well, we considered hiring you for the first Thor movie. We're actually going to bring you into the third movie to you know to play a the play characters. Within a play. Yeah, the characters you could have played within the story, and yeah that. So, That's brilliant. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> tomorrow, written by Jack Lovian, who did distracted. Write she's on Hemsworth. <laughs> um, is a very short comic book. Okay. It's essentially, it is a graphic novel. Um, it is. I'm going to try and talk very generally because, like, to explain stories through in it. Um, but it's very short. Sure you can't spoil it too much. Is we have this little old lady. She's got that proper little old lady hair going on. Little old lady glasses. And we open up, and she's doing the exciting thing that little old ladies do, which is go shopping. She goes shopping. There's young people being annoying. The, the world is, is loud and uh, angry and not kind to older people. Um, and pretty much ignores her. Is this fiction? And then she... Well, that day, isn't it? Hey. And then she wakes up the following day, and there's no one around. Oh. The city is empty. There's no sound. She goes to the shop to buy something. She leaves some money on the counter. 
picks up what she needs, leaves. The city is empty, the city continues to uh, empty. And then she sees a thumping sound and there's aliens. She sees a thumping sound. She hears a thumping sound. She sees it because she's a comic book character. And she yes, so there's a big thump. Yeah, uh, thump. Uh, thump. Uh, I'll, I'll say represented very well in comics because I think if you see it as a thumping sound, that could be represented. That's an interesting question. But anyway, she hears <laughs> yes. a thumping sound. Can you see sound effects? Can you see the bam on the zap power and things? Can, can comic characters see those? We'll come back to that. <laughs> so they can in Batman. Thankfully not Captain America, and certainly not Captain... Oh, Batman Captain is synesthesiac, you've got representation. So, anyway, so she, go, she follows the sound, she finds um, she finds uh, aliens all everywhere, and the aliens just ignore her. She goes back to the shop, but her money's still on the counter, she gets on with her routine, she gets on with her routine, and then she finds one of the little kind of minion aliens being left alone, so she looks after it. Oh. She puts a hat on it. <laughs> carries, it around, uh, carries it around in the pram. Is looking after it just put a hat on? <laughs> put a hat on it and then carries it around in the pram, and so on. Um, I won't shoes. ruin the actual story, but it is profoundly sad. And oh, it's profoundly, it sounds. It sounds sad. like it is, yeah. But as a piece of comic book art, because we were just talking about Girl Genius, which is wild and has explosions and it does stuff and has mimoths in it, which are mammoths but have been shrunk to the size of mice, so they're oh, now everywhere. No. Uh, oh, is this where the mimoths come from? Yes. That you've been obsessing about all week. <laughs> oh, I want a tiny mammoth. Um, I want a tiny mammoth. <laughs> You know what you have there are do. dogs frightened outside of the noise Del just made. <laughs> but so, so Girl Genius, which has mouths in it, and then we get something like Tomorrow, which is very short, very simple, isn't a fifteen-year-running webcomic, but has but and then dropped into my brain with as much impact, just because it's very short, very cleverly done. There's almost no dialogue. The, there's some please and thank yous. Most of the time, she's asking people to stop. Um, and it's very sound and profound, and you just get this. It is just brilliant, and I can see why it's, you know, why it's done so well critically, and why it's been so critically acclaimed. Mm. It's also an indie comic, so it's going to be get roundly ignored by a lot of people. Mm. Um, it'll have a Guardian article, a few other things, and then people will forget it. Don't forget it. Go and check out the uh, BHP Comics website. They also do Rock of the Reds. Which I think we talked about briefly on the show before. Is BHP. The football one. It's the football one. Right. Where they've taken Royal the Rovers. Right. Which is a comic book. Yeah. And Doom Lord, which is a comic book about alien invaders. And, and combined them. Combined the two to create something equally ridiculous. But I like that from, from what you've said, I can understand why both of those things are graphics, not novels. I can understand why that is the medium that has been chosen to tell us those stories. Because you can read about them, because they are girl genius comic book, uh, novels. People have written novelizations mm-hmm. from set the world. But I can describe to you a memoir, and you'd be like, that's adorable! And you can just see the little cute little mm-hmm. elephants. And, mm-hmm. it's and I better. think with graphic novels as well, like in terms of tomorrow, you can you can write a novel and you can tell me all these things that are happening and you can give you can actually explicitly tell me an internal monologue with a graphic you can see the silence and I know we commented before about oh she saw the the yeah. sound but actually graphics give you a visual of silence and they give you 
a visual of isolation and you don't need a running commentary of well, internal just, monologues. Yeah, I was just thinking that sound. It, it sounded to me like it had more of a silent uh, movie lean to it than, you know, as you said, minimal dialogue. So, you know. Uh, and, and, and to, to again, use Girl Genius as the other side of things. Girl Genius, the art is loud. The art is it's gorgeous, but it's messy. And you can you, you, you turn the page and you can hear the clanks, which are what they call the war machines, clanking. You can you can you can hear in your mind's eye. You can hear the sound and the noise. You know that the, those zeppelins are going to have that from. You don't need to have a from written on the side. You know that it's going to be noisy. You know that the world is. And when they work, they um, when they do their science magic, um, they occasionally talk in musical notes. So you get like all that, and it's a noisy, messy world, and it's a way of doing that kind of description that kind of cinematic feel uh your brain fills in the the avengers star wars style soundtrack for the big action fight scenes you know it's all there and that's something that comics does very well it does all of that without having to add the sound without mm. having to add those effects because your brain will it leaves it that to you yeah. and then when you get something like tomorrow and it's silent and you know it's silent you know that there's nothing else there you know mm. that it's desolate and it just makes you go, oh, and it just grabs you, you know, it grabs you by the heart and pulls. Now, tell me, is uh, one very quick thing about that. Uh, you say it's sad, but is it sort of, is it the sort of um, when the wind blows level of I'm never reading this again? I, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad I read it, but I don't, I'm not doing no, it twice. No, it's not, because the problem with when the wind blows is when the wind blows is relentlessly grim. Yeah. And... Okay, when when the wind blows, um, I forget the author's name. The guy who wrote the uh, snowman. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, um, it's right there. Um, it's on the tip of my tongue, which is oh. profoundly annoying. Oh, Raymond Briggs. Raymond Briggs. Yeah. But when Raymond Briggs wrote that, he based the two characters on his parents. Mm. So the the lovely old couple. Uh, when the wind blows, by the way. For those of you who haven't read it, I don't know the works of Raymond Briggs. Raymond Briggs is best known for things like Fungus the Bogeyman and the snowman, lovely children's stories. Then he did an animated feature and graphic novel about two elderly pensioners dying in a nuclear war. Oh, yeah, I've seen And that. the two elderly pensioners are based on his parents. So he essentially irradiates and nukes his parents in, in fiction form, and it is profoundly anti-war and profoundly grim and profoundly sad. It's amazing, it's horrific. It's, yeah, it yeah. sounds a bit like um like graveyard of fireflies. It's a it's a that Ghibli line film. of things. Yeah, yeah like yeah. that thing. Like I was broken after I after but I, I saw haven't that. I haven't it's, been in a space where I can sit and watch that yet. It's <laughs> just like I I mess I kind of it's one of those things where because um, it had a very it had a very big effect on me as well. And I was trying to talk to people about it, but at the same time I didn't want to talk to people about it in case they got interested. How it made me that sad and watched it. Yeah. Um. It but it's that thing where it's very beautiful but I never want to be that sad from fiction yeah. again yeah. this sounds sad but lovely I, I, I think if they did do it as an animated feature they would either have to make it sadder for it to work or um... you can find balances in things though like if you think Pixar most Pixar things are horrifically sad but there's 
notes they know how to create the light and dark to get the balance right yeah so that it is still a piece of entertainment not a piece of art up and inside out are two that I immediately think of with see that. up very much inside out everybody because i'm i am a weeper films like fiction makes me cry um loads of my friends are just like oh you're like make sure you're in a really good place before you watch inside out you're really going to struggle with inside out and actually yes don't get me wrong it was very sad but there were bits where i was just like I think the reason why this is sad is it's a part it's a part of myself that I constantly deal with anyway. Like I feel like I'm still in that place yeah. that like letting my childhood go. The one that people did not warn me about was the good dinosaur. Oh my goodness, the good dinosaur. I, I just cried for two hours. It's a, it's a story of a little boy and a dinosaur. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I saw that um, last word yeah. coming somewhere. But the, the dinosaur, dinosaur is the main character. The dinosaurs are human, are like are more human, and the little boy is like the an- the little animal pet in the yeah, story. Yeah. Has anyone else seen the film film adaptation of I Kill Giants? No. no. Oh, it had me on the floor. I was I was broken why do people do this to us because uh, because i love stop making us feel things I, I, <laughs> we've talked about on the show before the graphic novel i kill giants which i think i jokingly have described as i kill giants because it feels like it's something you should whisper it's like you know it'd be and um i was expecting it to be sad and i was expecting it to floor me and i was like no 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 i've read the graphic novel i'm prepared i'm prepared i'm prepared. oh my god it's so sad um oh. and again it's about that childish things childhood abandonment yeah. but also horrible things happening in your childhood that mean that you have to deal with with horrible things but also there's a scene where she kills a giant with electricity um <laughs> and maybe also blows up a train so you know do in um up they had to re-edit um the bit where she initially discovers disgust with um the broccoli they had to edit it because they don't eat broccoli everywhere so in japan they've had to show like um that it's uh, is it edamame beans or something so they had to like try and find a way to like remove the broccoli from the plate and input edamame beans captain america's little notebook's different in every country isn't it yes Mm. Uh, it was in the cinema release the, the DVD I've got has the American. Uh, there's a regional, there's a Easter egg with the, the various lists. Okay. Ah. So you can see different different lists. Yeah, because he's. Do they all say the same thing in different languages? No, or? no, Ooh, no, no. It's fun. it's it's like you've got the in, in America you've got the list of things you haven't seen yet. Things like watch Star Wars, dude. And in um, in the UK version, it was watch listen to the Beatles. And that's oh, so it. quite culturally, culturally yeah. specific. So, so yeah. Germany, it's uh, a specific novel, the the Berlin Wall, uh, a different football match. Because uh, yeah. the UK version, it's nineteen sixty six World Cup. In Johnny's list. That's interesting. Uh, I think for the most part we'd have got away with a lot of the US stuff. Yeah. Apart from a couple of Well the moon landing I think the moon landing's and... all on there and a few yeah. of them few of them are the same because mm. they're world events. Yeah. But it be but it's a list of recommendations. So yeah. um but yeah. So I suppose yeah, you people would recommend to you what is relevant to them no, no. I like to think though that Sam is enough of a uh, is it was, uh, sufficiently worldly wise that we just saw a different page of the same book well he just no he just recommended a really good bit of soul yeah. so but entirely entirely sens- sensible yeah. talking about, about things and sad cartoons uh, Steadfast Stanley has everyone seen Steadfast Stanley no no 
It's about a dog, a no, boy. No, I'm already sad. It's about a dog. And you said it's sad. I'm super it, sad now. A dog, a boy, and the zombie apocalypse. Oh. Stanley! It's brilliant. Um, but also, really, it's really good. You should watch it. It'd be very... He's getting an appropriate emotional response. I'm being no. stared at by Del. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, oh, we were going to talk about the Wiccan's Vine. And oh, God! <laughs> Shall um, we leave it till next week? <laughs> we'll get round to it eventually. Sorry, Kieran. Sorry, Jamie. Um, you know we'll show. talk about this. this. Is, this is what uh, you get for announcing the, what we're going to talk about in the show at the start of the show. On that note, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. And me. And me. And me. And me. And me.